welcome back to Franklin Covey's weekly podcast. Now twice weekly, we have now decided to accelerate the number of episodes we release out to the world because of the growth of the podcast and the willingness of these world-renowned guests to come on and invest in your leadership skills. My name is Scott Miller. I am the host each week of what is now the world's largest twice-weekly leadership podcast. You also know me as the author of numerous books, including the Master Mentor Series for Franklin Covey, published from HarperCollins, where each year, with the permission of 30 of our guests, I write a book that recaps some of the most transformative insights our guests shared. And with their permission, I share a fast, easy, breezy story, kind of like chicken soup for the leadership soul. We'd be honored if you picked up a copy of Master Mentors, available in audio, digital, video, and in print, four versions of this book. Yes, it's a video book through Lit Video as well. Our guest today is the well-known, best-selling author and brain coach. His name is Jim Quick. You know him from this seminal book called Limitless. Upgrade your brain, learn anything faster, and unlock your exceptional life. And apparently Jim couldn't get any celebrity endorsements, so he had to rest on Mark Hyman, Simon Sinek, Maria Shriver, and a guy named Will Smith. He's known actually as the celebrity brain coach and he's here today to talk about how to accelerate the health and the power your brain has that is untapped and limitless. Jim, welcome to On Leadership. Scott, so good to be here. Congratulations on, on your amazing success. Well-deserved. Hey, uh, we're delighted to have you here. It's because of uh, thought leaders, researchers, practitioners, people that have suffered traumas like yourself that have come on to this podcast to improve people's leadership skills, the culture of their organizations, the health of their families. We're honored to have you today. Jim, truly, your impact is well known. Your social media is um, a, a vast uh, deposit into my own life. This book you're talking about today is called Limitless, Upgrade Your Brain, Learn Anything Faster, and Unlock Your Exceptional Life. Jim, I want you to rewind 25 yeah. plus years and talk about a very tender story you open your book with. I am the parent to three young boys that are 8, 11, and 13. And because you and I share a treasured friendship with the famed neuroscientist, brain imaging expert, and psychiatrist, Dr. Daniel Amen, we mm. live our lives in alignment with Dr. Amen's advice, right? We wear helmets to church. Not really, but we wear helmets everywhere. <laughs> we try to eat healthy. We're very cognizant of their growing brains and you share a very vulnerable story about how this all came into fruition to you um, in elementary school. Would you take your time, tell the story about your early childhood trauma, and talk about how that kind of came into where you are now known as a brain coach? Mm. So I uh, props to Dr. Dan Lame, and I met him uh, over probably a dozen years ago. He had interviewed me for one of his books called Use Your Brain to Change Your Age, and he dedicated a whole chapter to my recovery. And specifically, uh, what you're referring to is when I was five years old, I was in kindergarten class, and there were these fire engines outside, and I was just fascinated by firefighters. For me, they were real-life superheroes. Uh, we can't even see out the windows because we're so uh, short <laughs> and because we're five years old. And so all the kids, we grab our chairs uh, to look and see what the commotion is going on outside. And standing on this chair, I had an unfortunate uh, accident. I lost my balance and went headfirst into the iron gray radiator and uh, rushed to the emergency room. And um, I don't know, my parents 
they said before I was very energized, very curious, very playful, but after that I became very shut down and where I really showed up was in school. I had uh, what they called learning disabilities. I was put in special classes. I couldn't understand. Uh, teachers would repeat themselves over and over again, but I had processing issues. I would learn to pretend to understand, but I didn't really understand what was going on, You know, the lessons that were being taught. Uh, I had poor focus, poor memory. It took me three and a half years just to learn how to read, uh, like all the other kids. Uh, when I was nine years old, I was being teased pretty heavily for it, and a teacher came to my defense she pointed to me in front of the whole class and she said, leave that kid alone. That's the boy with the broken brain. And that, um, you know, she was sincere, but, uh, you know, I, I got that, I got that imprinted on me. That label became my limit. So every single time I, I did badly in school, which was weekly, uh, I would say, oh, cause I have the broken brain. Every time I was in pick for sports, which was all the time, I would say, oh, it's cause I have the broken brain. And that became my identity. My superpower growing up was really being invisible uh, because I never had the answer. I would shrink down in class, sit all the way in the back behind the tall kid. I just never wanted the spotlight. I had no confidence and I just had a lot of doubt. And, uh, and that was kind of my, my day to day, you know, my, my, I would avoid even doing a book report. I would work really hard. My parents had immigrated to the U.S. Uh, you know, with you know nothing, um, very very little. It's not a sob story. I mean, the things I'm maybe I used to be embarrassed about. I'm, I'm most proud of you know the challenges that we had, the things that we overcame. Um, but I uh, but I worked really hard because my parents instilled that to me. Good good work ethic. Uh, be be kind. Uh, and but I never got the results. So I would do a book report, but if a teacher asked me to present it, I would actually be so scared and fearful that I would I would lie and say I didn't do it. And, you know, and on the way out, I would take it out of my book bag and throw it in the trash. You know, maybe if it symbolized you know my potential, I was doing the same thing with that. And eventually, over the years, I you know around eighteen, I learned, I had a mentor. I, I learned the power of books, and I, I learned that leaders are readers. In fact. And I did what um, Dr. Stephen Covey talked about, you know, sharpen the saw, the seventh habit. You know, I, I felt like that school was an interesting place. If people see me on stages, uh, I'll do these demonstrations where I'll often have 50 people stand up and introduce themselves on a microphone. And I'll memorize all their names or they'll give me 100 random words or numbers and I'll recall them forwards and backwards. But I always tell people, I don't do this to impress you. I really do this to express to you what's possible because the truth is every single one of your audience, everyone who's listening, watching, they could do it too. And and I know I'll get some pushback from that, but it, regardless of your age, I mean, this is, I've been doing this now, entering 32 years as a full-time brain coach and a speaker and a, doing this work. And I could tell people like, you know, we have students in every country in the world, 195 nations, and I get a lot of feedback. And I say, regardless of your age, your background, your career, education level, your financial situation, your gender, your history, your IQ, everybody can improve. We just aren't taught. Right. There's no such thing as a good or bad brain. There's a trained brain and an untrained brain. In fact, there's no such thing as a good or bad memory. There's a trained, you know, memory and an untrained memory. And uh, it's interesting in school, they teach you a lot about what to learn. Subjects like math and history, science, Spanish, but there are not a lot of classes on how to learn those subjects. There's not a class called, you know, effective listening or concentration, focus, memory, you know, for instance, you know, and so I wrote Limitless as as a book, a textbook, if you will, on meta learning, the art and science of learning how to learn, because I think it's one of the most important skills to sharpen today. Because if you sharpen that saw, everything afterwards gets easier. You could apply, if you could focus and concentrate and remember, retain, read better, uh, not only faster, but smarter. 
and implement that, then you know, it's an incredible competitive advantage. You can apply it towards management, marketing, money, Mandarin, music, martial arts, everything gets easier in your life. And, uh, and that's really our, my mission is to build better, brighter brains. No brain left behind. Jim, in the uh, remainder of our podcast conversation, we're going to talk about practical ways to improve mm. the function of your brain and your brain health. You touched on this briefly in your opening. I want you to rewind. Uh, yeah. In many ways, this book is, is a self-help book. It's a leadership book. It's a relationship book. It's a parenting book. And as I mentioned, as a father of three sons with my wife, I was riveted in the opening story that you share about your freshman year in high school in your English class that you were failing. You touched on it briefly, but I want you to tell this story from A to Z because anybody here that is um, a provider of care for children, whether you are a friend, a leader, a parent, a grandparent, an uncle, a neighbor, the words you use and the situations you put people in can either lift them up or crush them. And you should be very mindful about understanding what the, the, different, the, the fine line between crushing and building someone. Would you share that story and what happened at the end when you were asked to speak about it? Yeah, so um, it was uh, freshman high school. I, um, <laughs> this is, I get a little choked up thinking about this. It was, you know, I had trouble reading. My parents, you know, my professors, my teachers, they, they would have been surprised if I read a book, much less, you know, wrote a book. And, uh, you know, I was failing uh, high school English and uh, they called in my parents and for a, a parent-teacher conference meeting. And that was very embarrassing for me. I'm the oldest of three siblings. And, you know, I had that pressure of, or was, I felt responsible to be a good role model for my, my younger brother and sister. Um, my parents came in, uh, you know, they had multiple jobs, uh, and, but it was, it was hard for them to take off. But, um, you know, we sat with the teacher and the teacher said that I was failing out of the, the, the class and, you know, and, but she's going to give me one last chance to do a book report. And if I did it and get that extra credit, I'll be able to pass, you know, the course. And the book report was on, uh, Albert Einstein. I don't know how that got chosen, uh, but it's just, you know, it's the opposite of what I felt like I was at that time. And uh, I commit to the teacher. I commit to my parents. I'm going to do it, you know, and and I really back that up. Every every day after class, I wouldn't, you know, watch TV or anything or go outside. I would or play with people. I would I would just be in the library for hours and hours just doing this research on, on Albert Einstein. And this is back when people spent time in libraries. This is pre-internet. <laughs> and um yeah, I, I worked on it for weeks and weeks and weeks. And on the day it was due, um, my parents surprised me. They had it professionally bound. You know, I, I could see that they they really appreciated the work that I put into it and, and in a way proud. And uh, and when I was going to school, all I could think about was that class. And I can't, couldn't wait to hand it in. And on the day it was due, class starts. And towards the end of class, um, the teacher says, okay, class, I have a surprise for everybody. Jim, come to the front of the classroom and present your book report. Now, I, I must have missed the part where I had to do public speaking on this, on the, on what I was researching, because I had no idea. I thought I was just me handing it in and getting credit for the work I did, but I was so terrified. You know, again, my superpower 
was was being invisible and I never knew the answers and I was you know maybe because I you know I grew up very introverted and just painfully shy I would go to the nurse if I you know had something where I had to present so I was able to avoid it you know up to this point and so I was so terrified I couldn't even breathe you know and and my heart's beating out of my chest and I'm perspiring and I just stutter out the words that I I, I told the teacher in front of the whole class that I didn't do it and um it, it was heartbreaking, you know, in, in just going through that experience, you know, I think it was, it was, pretty, it was pretty traumatic for me personally. Um, you know, you can see the disappointment in the teacher's face and after the class ends and everyone, I'm the last one that's there, I, 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 I to do what I told you. I, I reached into my backpack, pull out this nicely bound book report and I decided to stare at it and on the way out, I, I toss it in the trash. And, um, you know, I don't know if that symbolized, you know, tossing out my potential or my dreams or, you know, what hope um, that I had. But um, it, it was very significant, you know, that I let my fear um, keep me keep me stalled, you know, in that way. And so, um, yeah. And the universe has a sense of humor because it, it ends up, you know, OK, the story ends up OK. But it's so interesting that, you know, my two biggest challenges were learning and public speaking and uh you know, what do I do for a living? Every day I public speak on this thing called learning. And I, I do believe that with challenge comes change, that um, with our struggles, they could become strengths. And, uh, you know, little by little, a little could become a lot. Jim, thank you for your vulnerability and sharing that story, not in the, just in the book, but in today's podcast, because as I was reading it last week, preparing for today's interview, I couldn't help but be thinking about my three boys, right? It's sort of like, mm -hmm. what words am I using to describe them? What am I doing to imprint their potential for them? What situations am I putting them in that I know will build some growth but won't crush them to come up with a lie? And so thank you for the gift of vulnerability that you shared. I can't imagine there's a parent or a caregiver or a guardian listening right now that isn't thinking about how they will choose to lead their team to ignite that genius, to put stretch goals on their members that, that stretch their potential, but don't crush them like that did with you. The mm. architecture of your book, Limitless, really builds around this model. These three Venn diagram circles, mindset, motivation, and method, methods. Yes. Will you take a minute and walk us through each of those? Mindset, motivation, and methods, and why is that important to our brain function and brain health? Yeah, we could turn this into like a little micro mini uh, masterclass uh, for everyone listening. We can make this uh, very personal and uh, very relevant to to you. So limitless is not about being perfect. It's about advancing. It's about progressing, you know, beyond what you currently are demonstrating or beyond what you believe is possible. And so if you're not advancing and you feel stuck, you know, maybe I would ask your audience to think about an area of your life where you're not advancing, you know, where you you feel stalled, you feel a little stuck, where you feel like you're in a box. You know, and by definition, a box or a cube is three-dimensional. You know, there are three forces that contain that box or that growth. And these are the same forces that will liberate you out of that uh, situation and that uh, circumstance. And I, I represent them with three circles that are intersecting. And I call it the limitless model. And I really do believe this is a model for leadership. It could be applied towards learning. It could be applied towards uh, sales and communication. Uh, I tend to alliterate a lot, so I made them three M's. 
And as you said, it's mindset, motivation, and, and uh, methods. And so I think you need all three to become truly limitless, to redraw the borders and boundaries of what's holding you back. So the mindset uh, is uh, the set of assumptions and attitudes we have about something. Your attitudes, assumptions about money, your attitudes, assumptions about uh, your worth, your attitudes, assumptions about health. You know, because I do believe, believe that all behavior is belief driven, that your brain is this incredible supercomputer and your thoughts uh, and your self-talk are, are, are programs that will run. So if you tell yourself, I'm not good at remembering people's names, you probably won't remember the name of the next person you meet because you program your supercomputer not to. And so um, people at events come to me all the time and they, they share with me their beliefs, uh, whether it's conscious or unconscious. They say, Jim, I'm so glad you're here. They'll tell me this right before we get started in the lobby. And it's like, I, I tell you, I'm just too old. I'm not smart enough. I have a horrible memory. And I always say, stop. If you fight for your limitations, you get to keep them. If you fight for your limits, they're, they're yours, right? And so the three things that I would be identifying around mindset that I think everyone can relate to are the, the attitudes and assumptions we have about ourselves. So things like what I believe is possible, what I believe I'm capable of. Because you could believe it's possible for somebody else to achieve this, to have you know, whatever, 10,000 followers or to, to start a business or write a book, um, lead a team, but you might not believe it's possible for you. Um, and then also what I believe I deserve, because that's that thermostat, right? In terms of the standards and the goals that you set, because I do believe we are thermostats, we're not thermometers. You know, I, I think we learn through metaphors and a thermometer, again, is just something that reacts to the environment. Just like the human beings, we react to the weather, react to the economy, react to politics, react to how people treat us. But the happiest and certainly the most fulfilled individuals have more agency. They don't, a thermostat doesn't react to the environment. It gauges, but also, you know, it knows what's going on, but it also sets a temperature much like we take, you know, what's invisible in our minds and make it more visible, you know, out there. So that's the mindset. So someone can have a limitless mindset um, and still be stuck in that box because they need the second M, which is your motivation. And, uh, and for motivation is something that's very tangible. In fact, I don't think motivation is something you have. People say, you know, all the time, I don't have motivation. You don't have it. I believe you do it. You know, just like I don't believe you have focus, you don't have energy, you don't have memory. And people are listening like, that's the problem. I have no energy or focus or memory. You do those things. And so a first principle that I operate on when it comes to performance and leadership is to train ourselves to take the nouns in our life and turn them into verbs. Meaning, uh, you know, you don't have energy, you don't have focus, you do it, you know, and when it, when it goes from something that's static to something that's a process, I feel like it gives us our agency back that we are, can be proactive, you know, uh, as, uh, as your work talks about and, uh, and not reactive and you have a sovereignty. So meaning for me, motivation, you could have limitless mindset and still be stuck in that box. If you're not motivated, get out of that box. And a very simple formula for everyone to access limitless motivation for yourself, for your kids, uh, for your team, your community. Three things that I've realized coaching people. You need P times E times S3. And uh, we don't have to go too deep into it, but P times E times S3. The P is purpose. You know, I think that with reasons reap results. If you don't have a reasons, things have to go from your head to your heart, to your hands. So if we do something like how to remember names, which I think is pretty, fairly important in business and life, you know, how are you going to show somebody you care about their future, their finances, your, your, your position that you have as a leader, uh, your health, uh, their health, if you don't care enough just to remember them. Right. But it has to go from your head to your heart, to your hands. And so, you know, asking yourself a reason, like, why do I want to remember this person's name? Maybe it's to show the person some respect. Maybe it's to practice these things 
things I learned. Maybe it's to get a referral or to make a new friend. And if you don't come up with a reason, you probably won't remember that name any more than you will remember something that you read if you don't have a reason. So with the reasons, reap results and rewards. Um, so the purpose, but you have to feel it because we're not logical. We are biological though. You think about dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, endorphins, we are this feeling chemical soup. And so allow yourself to feel that and go from your head to your heart, your hands, because so many people know what to do with their head in their head. They have KPIs and they have goals and vision in their head, but they're not acting consistent with their hands. Check them with the second age, which is your heart, right? The emotions, but then you could have limitless purpose and still not be motivated to read every day or to work out or to buy, right? You could be used in the limitless model in, in uh, influence and persuasion, you know, connection. Um, but the person needs energy also. So that's what the E stands for. So, um, you know, uh, I have a newborn son. It's our, it's our firstborn <laughs> and I'm not getting a lot of sleep. And so I, if, you know, you go a few days without sleep, you're not very motivated to, uh, to read and study that day or to work out that day, right? If you had a big processed meal and you're in a food coma, you're not going to be very motivated to do the things you need to do. So that's why we talk about so much in Limitless and in our podcast about some of the best brain foods, how to re reduce and mitigate stress, which takes a lot of energy, how to optimize your sleep, right? All the different things. Um, and then finally, somebody can have Limitless purpose and Limitless energy and still not be motivated to get out of that situation, that sort of circumstance of that box, because you need S3, which um, I call small, simple steps. Sometimes that goal is just too overwhelming. People want to get a million followers or they want to, you know, build the next unicorn or, or meet their soulmate and live happily ever after, or have that perfect body. It's just, there's a lot of people who don't, you know, do the activities to get there, it could be too big of a jump and a confused mind doesn't do anything. So how can you break it down? Because I believe that really that inch by inch, it's a cinch, yard by yard, it's just way too hard. So instead of like, let's say you want to motivate yourself to work out and you feel purpose, you have some energy, but you're just not doing it. Maybe psychologically, it's just too big if you don't, it's not something in your normal routine. Uh, maybe instead of working out at the gym for an hour, maybe it's the small, simple stuff, putting on your running shoes. Maybe you can't get your kids to floss their teeth. It, you know, good oral health is good for good brain health. Um, but get them to floss one tooth. That's a small, simple step. Maybe reading 30 minutes a day is, is, is a challenge for someone who doesn't do it. Maybe opening up the book or reading one line. That's a small, simple step. But I do believe consistency compounds that little by little, a little becomes a lot. And that's motivation. And then finally, after you have unleashed and unlimited your mindset and motivation, then we can look at the methods. But I, I put that last because I feel like, you know, your listeners, let's get really raw. Most of your listeners, they're, they're not new to this uh, this subject of productivity, performance, uh, personal development, and they probably have forgotten more than most of their friends and family members. They're probably think your friends and family members, you know, probably like, why are you always listening to podcasts, watching all those shows, going to all those events, and you're reading all those books, um, you know, but are we implementing it? You know, my shirt here says knowledge, you know, time to action equals power. And I, I just really feel like for every hour we spend listening to something educational, empowering, we need to spend an equal hour putting into action. And that's, that's the methods. And so um, those are the strategies that we teach, how to read three times faster with better comprehension, how to learn languages better, how to learn facts, figures, get speeches without notes, sales grips, and so on. Because I do believe two of the most costly words in business and in life are I forgot. I forgot to do it. I forgot to bring it. I forgot that conversation. I forgot what I was going to do. I forgot what I was going to say. I forgot you know, that meeting. I forgot that person's name, all of that. But on the other side, 
a good memory, for instance, could be a huge magnifier and multiplier, you know, in somebody's life, in all areas, their relationships, their health, uh, their, their personal finances, and so much more. But my big message for everybody is once you understand this limitless model, there's some crossover where mindset crosses over with motivation. And I call that three eyes. I call that inspiration, you know, and something that's inspiring, inspiring speaker, inspiring movie or story or book changes your mindset about the beliefs about what's possible and gives you some you know, drive, some motivation, but you still don't have the methods. So you don't, you know, you know, you're inspired, but you don't know what to do. You know, where mindset crosses over with methods, that's ideation, the second I mindset. And this is a, a leadership model. So when I, when I speak for, you know, Facebook, Nike, Google, SpaceX, these institutions talking about leadership, learning and leadership go hand in hand. And everyone wants, wants to progress and get to the next, the next level you know, of their team, of their operations, but where mindset and, and methods cross over, that's ideation, you know, mindset, you believe it's possible, ideation, you know what to do, but you're not motivated because that's, that's outside of you. So that's ideation. And finally, where motivation and methods connect, uh, cross over in the Venn diagram, you have implementation, you're motivated and you know what to do methods. So you have implementation, but you could still be stuck in that box because you're only going to be able to achieve as much as your mindset believes is possible and that you believe that you deserve. Now square right in the middle where all the M's and I's connect, you know, that's, that's the fourth I, which is, I think is your identity. It's, it's integration. Right, that that's the limitless state, you know. And when you unlimit these three M's, you have the fourth M, which is this momentum, you know, which which all of us desire. At least some people say I don't, I don't have momentum, but a lot of people actually have momentum. It's just the question is, is it taking you in the right direction, right? But my goal is to not. I think a big mistake people have made the past few years, especially out of fear. Um, and by the way, chronic stress has been shown to shrink the human brain. Chronic fear actually suppresses your immune system, a whole area called psychoimmunology, uh, neuroimmunology. It's this idea where, uh, you know, constant fear will actually make you more susceptible to colds, the flus, the viruses. But out of fear, sometimes we're shrinking, you know, our goals and our dreams to meet this current situation. When we shouldn't be downgrading our dreams to meet the current situa situation, I would ask people the, the other side is how do we upgrade our mindset? How do we upgrade our motivation? How do we upgrade our, our methods that we're using? Because some of us are using old methods of marketing or old methods of, of learning. <laughs> Certainly when it comes to reading, you know, most people are still reading like they are, like when they were last trained, when they were six years old. So how can you upgrade? And then when you can isolate the area that need, you need to put a spotlight on, then you know how to address it. You know, if it's some of the lies that you're saying yourself, you know, in, inside your mindset, then you, there's all kinds of, and I'm sure you've had a lot of these experts talk, whatever, self-hypnosis or, or, or tapping, you know, emotional freedom technique or some way of changing your mindset. Or if your kid's not cleaning their room, maybe they don't have, or studying, they're not, they need, or your team, and as your leader, maybe they need to feel purpose or maybe they need energy, you know, uh, maybe they need small, simple steps. Even if you want someone to buy or invest in your company, you know, maybe they also, they need to be motivated. And so do they feel purpose, right? People don't buy logic they buy emotionally and so they feel it do they have the energy or the resources are you making it so simple for them you know and build consistency with small simple steps you know and so i look at everything you know when it comes to progress through the limitless model and it works at a micro level as an individual or at an organizational level also you know and i apply it towards specifically the number one skill which i think is learning how to learn you know, because if you can learn how to learn and, and translate that learning into action, it's the ultimate competitive advantage for you and your team. Uh, masterclass indeed. Thank you for that. <laughs>
you mentioned in the book, Jim, what you call the seven lives, seven lies of learning. I'm going to walk through them real quickly. Number one, lie number one, is that intelligence is fixed. Lie number two, we only use 10% of our brains. Lie number three, mistakes are failures. Lie number four, knowledge is power. Lie number five, learning new things is very difficult. Lie number six, which we're going to come back to, is the criticism of other people matters. And then lie number seven, genius is born. I want to go deep for a second here, mm -hmm. and then I want to get to uh, some practical tips on brain health. But I want you to tell a story yeah. about Jim Carrey. It is a story you use in lie number five, sorry, lie number six, which is the criticism of other people matters. Riff on yeah. that and talk a bit about a fascinating story you tell in the book about an experience you had serendipitously and then more deliberately with Jim Carrey. So as a brain coach, I get to help people from all walks of life, ages and stages and careers to advance. So it can be helping athletes to regain their focus, their, uh, improve their reaction time, remembering playbooks uh, for actors, helping them speed read scripts, be focused on set, uh, remember their lines. Um, and so I had the opportunity to spend the day with uh, Jim Carrey at his home. And, uh, and it was an amazing day because I got so much out of it myself. And um, I think the, the lesson that I got out of it is uh, during a break, we take a little brain break. I talk a lot about that in, in the book and podcast and what you could do during a brain break. And we we're in his kitchen and uh, making some brain foods. Uh, we we're making some guacamole, avocados, the manan, straight fat is, is good for your brain. And I, I had, I'm very interested in why people do what they do. And uh, going back to purpose and motivation, that's why we dedicated a whole section and chapter on, on purpose. And, um, and I found out, I think that passion is like what lights us up and purpose is how we use our passion to light other people up. So for instance, um, learning is my passion. It wasn't always, but it, now it is. And so that lights me up. And teaching people how to learn is my purpose, right? And I, and I wanted to find out Jim Carrey. I was like, he's an interesting individual, why he does what he does. And he tells me that he says, Jim, I act like a complete you know, fool sometimes on camera. And I know it. Uh, very, very extreme. Uh, because I want to give people who are watching permission to be themselves, you know, that he fear really feels like his religion is freeing people from the concern, concerns of others, because he feels that out of anything that limits our life, we're talking about becoming limitless, um, it's other people's expectations and, and, and how, they, how, they, how they think about us, right? And just like even growing up for me, you know, thinking I was broken, I maintained that, you know, identity and it was reinforced by people around me. And so um, it, was very, it was very interesting that he wanted to be a positive example um, and act so extreme that people could act just be comfortable in their own skin. You know, and what I got out of that personally is so many people in business, um, in leadership positions, we're, we're afraid of people act. And I, I actually spent a lot of time at senior centers and uh, at nursing homes because I lost my grandmother. When I had my issues at five, six, seven, I also lost my grandmother, who was my primary caregiver to Alzheimer's. And that's why we donated, you know, the proceeds of Limitless to build schools uh, for girls and boys around the world in Ghana, Guatemala, Kenya, and also for Alzheimer's research for women, because uh, women are twice as likely to experience Alzheimer's than, than men, um, and in memory of my grandmother. But I spent a lot of time in senior centers just, just learning, you know, helping them polish off their memories, certainly. But I also, when I'm there, I hear a lot of stories, and a lot of those stories revolve around regret, that 
somehow they felt like, you know, if they could do it over, they, they, they limited their mind, their life in a way that they didn't date the person that they were in love with because of what other people would think, or they pursued a career path because it was expected of them by their parents or some, some way mitigated their expression of happiness um, and, and growth because of what other people would think. You know, and I and I learned that you know when you're taking your final breaths, you know, in, in life, and I tend to do these thought experiments. I, I realize that when we, and it's not a very positive thing to think about, but I realize, you know, just as you know, Seven Habits talks about, I refer to that book, you know, almost weekly. You know, put first things first. That the most important thing is to keep the most important things, the most important things. You know, and you begin with the end in mind. And when you're thinking about that state, none of other people's opinions are going to matter. None, 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 even our fears are going to matter. What's going to matter at that stage when we're taking our final breaths is how we learned, how we laughed, you know, how we lived, how we loved. You know, I truly believe if you fuel your life on the opinions of others around you, both positive and negative, you're going to run out of gas, right? Nobody has a right to define how, you know, who, who you are, right? The only opinion about yourself, about your, your dream that counts is use yours. And I feel like we do ourselves a great disservice when we let the noise of other people's opinions distort our reality, subvert our own thoughts and drown out our own inner voice. You know, of course you learn from people, right? You learn from books and mentors, um, but know that you and you alone are responsible for your life. So I think it's important to audit, you know, your inner voice and stand guard to the doors of your mind, especially from the low opinions of others. You know, I don't know if it was um, Seth Godin or somebody's. It, don't take, don't take uh, criticism from someone you wouldn't take advice from. You know, I, th I think that's a good uh, precept to to live by. Jim beautifully said. In fact, this passage in the book I thought was lovely. You asked Jim Carrey. Why do you do what you do? You're such a unique actor and you're a little extreme on camera. And he responded, I act that way because I want to give the people who are watching permission to be themselves. The biggest travesty in the world is people preventing and limiting themselves from expressing who they really are because they're afraid of what other people will think. Great line mm. in the book. Let's end with some brain tips. You talk about the 10 top brain foods, avocados, blueberries, broccoli, dark chocolate, yeah. eggs, green leafy vegetables, salmon, sardines, caviar together, turmeric, mm -hmm. walnuts, and water. Jim, send us off in the next minute or two. Uh, what have you learned about what are the healthiest habits to yeah. keep what is like 2% of our body, but you know, 20% of our consumption or more? What yeah. should all of us be leaving this conversation with knowing, okay, these are some things I need to change and do better, differently, stop or start yeah. doing to uh, accelerate the health of my brain. Yeah. You know, I've had these deep conversations with Dr. Daniel Amen, who scanned my brain over 10 years ago and then did it again recently. And, uh, you know, when I speak at the Cleveland Clinic Center for Brain Health and the founding director, you know, supported uh, endorsed the book Limitless, and so did the top Alzheimer's researcher at a Harvard University. We know that about one third of your brain performance and health is predetermined by genetics and biology, but that leaves about approximately two thirds in our influence and our control. So the things that move the needle 
I'll just rattle them off. And what I would love everyone to do, again, is to make this uh, interactive and engaging, is to rate yourself on a scale of zero to 10. If you can write it down, so I know some people are driving or, or working out, but if you can kind of just see, because it's not just a magic pill, right? Everyone wants to know what's the one thing they could do, but there are, there are at least 10 things you could do to be able to upgrade your brain. Some of the people might have seen, if you're watching this on video, cover Entrepreneur Magazine, it says upgrade your brain with this silly guy holding a brain. Um, but there, there, there are 10 things that I focus on. So rate yourself zero to 10 on how much attention and effort you're putting in very, very quickly. Number one, you mentioned a good brain diet, right? What you eat matters, especially for your gray matter. And so when we talk about this in the book, this whole area of science called neuronutrition, that there's certain foods that are very nourishing and neuroprotective. Um, as you mentioned, you mentioned many of them that we talk about in the book. The second thing is killing ants. And I actually got this term from Dr. Amen. Ants are automatic negative thoughts. And we talked about the power of beliefs and the power of our self-talk. If you believe you can and believe you can, either way, you're right. Right. Henry Ford said that. So on a scale of zero to 10, how positive and encouraging. Number three, exercise. And I don't just mean phys like the physical exercise you do three times a week. I mean motion and movement. The primary reason you have a brain is to control your movement. And as your body moves, your brain grooves. They say though that we're sitting behind screens for you know an enormous amount of time. They say sitting is a new smoking. I recommend you know every 45 minutes, an hour, take a five minute brain break. You know, hydrate because your brain is mostly water. Just staying hydrated will boost your reaction time and thinking speed upwards of 30%. That's a huge lift for leaders. You know, get some fresh air, take the dogs for a walk. You know, as your body moves, if you listen to this podcast or an or you know one of our audio books, uh, and you're going, you're doing something rhythmic, like you're on an elliptical, or you're going for a walk outside. You're more likely to comprehend it and retain it. So move throughout the day. How much are you moving? Zero to ten. Number four, brain nutrients. Um, I have a book coming out later this year talking about specifically neuronutrition and some other ways people could upgrade their brain. And I always prefer people get it through through whole foods, right? Through their through their natural foods. But you know, have a. a I'm not a doctor or, or a nutritionist, but go go to one and and have a do a, a functional medicine test, you know, food sensitivity set, test, microbiome test, a nutrient profile, and see what you're lacking. If you're lacking B vitamins or D vitamins or neuroprotective vitamin E, uh, or your omega threes, you're not your brain. You can learn how to speed read and remember names and do all the things that we teach about, um, but you're you have to take care of the, the hardware, not just the software we teach. Um, so that's uh, zero to ten brain nutrition. Number five is a positive peer group. And uh, I'm preaching to the choir, but who you spend time with, as they say, is who you become. We have these things called mirror neurons. We're constantly imitating the people around us. Uh, you know, I always tell people, watch. We're imitating the W words. You know, and the word, those words affect our, our nervous system. The uh, A is the actions. We're constantly imitating the behaviors of the people around us. The T are, are our thoughts, and those thoughts definitely become things. We have about 60,000 thoughts you know, a day. And a lot of those thoughts are the thoughts of the people around us. Um, and then finally, the C is character, um, which I, I know, you know, is, is a big focus of, of Franklin Covey. You know, I heard the, the measure of it, how you, the, the, you can measure the distance. I don't know. I don't know who to credit this to. You can measure the distance uh, when talking about integrity is measured by the distance between someone's lips and their life. I truly believe the life we live, our lessons we teach. And finally, the H are our habits. We tend to adopt and adapt the habits of the people we spend time with and, you know, habits of smoking or eating. And first we create our habits, then our habits create you. Um, number six is clean environment. Actually, you know, your external world is a reflection of your internal world. You know this when you clean your desk or put all everything in the right file on your, on your computer, you have clarity of mind. So on a scale of zero to 10, how clean is your environment? Uh, number seven is a big one, sleep. 
right? When you don't get a good night's sleep, how's your brain? How's, how's the next day? How's your focus? How's your ability to solve problems? How's your ability to be creative? How's your, how's your memory, right? When you sleep, you convert short to long-term memory. When you sleep, you clean out beta amyloid plaque that can lead to brain aging challenges. Um, so, you know, one of my favorite sleep tips is stay on a schedule. Your, your, your circadian rhythm loves a schedule, even on the weekends. You know, everyone has an alarm to wake up, have an alarm to go to bed, stay on that schedule. Two other things. You're, you sleep better in a colder environment and a darker environment. And that's just as hunter-gatherers, we would know it would be time to sleep because it got darker and it got colder. So, you know, set up your, your sleep sanctuary. And we talk a lot about that in, in the book. And then finally, 8, 9, 10. 8 is brain protection. You mentioned this at the beginning. Wear a helmet, you know, avoid those extreme sports. You know, your brain is very resilient, but it's also very fragile. You know, as somebody who had a traumatic brain injury and works with a lot of people who have had uh, concussions and TBIs and sports and other um, care for your brain, it is your number one wealth building asset. And then finally, nine and 10, nine is new learnings. And, uh, and I'm preaching to the choir again, but how much are you learning every day? And my favorite ways of learning is, is really reading. You know, people have seen pictures of me with Elon or Oprah or whoever, and they ask how we bonded. We bonded over books because you read to succeed. If someone has decades of experience, you know, like you have, and they put into a book and you sit down in a few days and read that book, you could download decades in a days. That's a huge, huge advantage. So on a scale of zero to 10, how much are you learning each day? And then finally, number 10 is a big one. It's invisible for most people. Stress management. You know, I mentioned chronic stress has been shown to shrink the human brain. And um, and so what are we doing on a scale of zero to 10, 10 being the best uh, that you could do is to mitigate that stress. And how are you coping with stress? You know, for me, I, I need to meditate twice a day for 20 minutes a day. It's just kind of my go-to uh, for other people. They have something else. They get body work, they play sports, um, binge watch something, whatever it is, but you need to be able to lower, lower that. You can't be in that fight or flight because when you're in fight or flight, your your survivor brain holds you hostage from your executive functioning, from your creative brain. And, you know, the, the, the functions you need to be able to lead and to be able to learn and to be able to live. So those are, those are 10 things and they're common sense, but they're not always common practice. You could do all of that and then not score really well on sleep and you're, you're going to wonder why you're not, you feel limited, right? You could do all that and eat, you know, just, you know, processed foods and then be, uh, be kind of uh, stalled, you know, in that way when it comes to your fuel. So I take a very whole self approach, whole brain, whole self approach to uh, leading and performance. And uh, those are my 10 go-tos. Jim, that was massively, massively generous. <laughs> uh, number nine, you can see behind me from the set, I've read a few books and I yes. don't think I've ever read one where the author dedicated five full pages to the acknowledgement section. You literally thank and give credit to hundreds of people that have contributed yeah. to your research, that have helped to build, mentor your own capability. Your book is Limitless, Upgrade Your Brain, Learn Anything Faster and Unlock Your Exceptional Life. Jim Quick, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate you. Thank you so much, Scott. And also just thank you for you and your team for making this possible. You know, I really do believe there's a version of ourselves that's patiently waiting. And the goal is we show up every single day until we're introduced. So thank you all. Jim, thank you. We look forward to having you back on for your next release as well. And we'll see you back here for a new episode next week on Leadership. <laughs>